This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. My name is Pat Horn, and today I'm going to be bringing you an episode on the history of North Muskegon. Like Muskegon and many other cities in Michigan, North Muskegon as a city owes its creation to the lumbering industry. Prior to the mid-1800s, North Muskegon was home to various Native American tribes who spent time in the area. It was these tribes that led to the first European settlers, the fur traders, who came to the area to trade with the mainly Ottawa Indians. In 1812, John Baptiste Recollect established a trading post just west of Bear Lake and is thought to be the first of European descent to settle in the area. By the 1830s, the fur trade was coming to its end in Michigan and lumbering would soon become the dominant industry. The area around Bear Lake would be the first place to see a mill when Jonathan Ford built a dam across the Bear Lake Channel to make a water-powered sawmill in 1837. This mill would be later bought by the Ruddimans, John and George, who played a big role in the growth of North Muskegon. A Samuel Green built a mill on what would be called Green Creek in 1846. Then, in 1849, the first steam mill was built in North Muskegon, and it was built by John Ruddiman, who would also later build a flouring mill in the area as well. In 1850, the North Muskegon Peninsula had an estimated 35 living there, with most of the area still heavily forested and full of animals. Around these early sawmills, small communities would develop as the workers needed a place to stay. It would begin with a boarding house usually owned by the mill owners and expanded to a store to provide for the workers as well. These small communities had names such as Big Mill, Little Mill, Frogtown, Frenchtown, Pickettown, and Reedsville. Two things kept these early areas from expanding into cities in their own right. One of the biggest issues for the entire lake was mosquitoes and the fever they carried or ague, as they called it. Today, we call it malaria, but Muskegon had mosquitoes in plenty, particularly because of the marshy and wetland areas that were breeding grounds for these mosquitoes. John Rodeman once remarked that if you wanted to eat a meal in peace from the mosquitoes, that you had to put a burning smudge pot under your table. The other issue was getting to the northern shore of Muskegon Lake. The easiest way to get to the area was by water from Grand Haven. Most of the boats from Grand Haven arrived at the south side of the lake in the Muskegon area where the mills were more condensed and grew into a cohesive town quicker and easier. To then get to North Muskegon, you often had to cross the lake in a ferry, as building a road to connect both sides of the lake was extremely difficult as the bridge had to cross the Muskegon River Flats. The first bridge made to do so was built in the 1850s. However, it zigzagged from patches of land to patch of land and was constructed of rushes, weeds, sawdust, scraps of wood, and sunken canoes. Not ideal for a daily commute. It also needed constant maintenance, and thus travel between the two cities by road was not highly efficient or effective. In 1871, Muskegon and North Muskegon discussed the idea of a bond to build a new $24,000 bridge, with the cost being split equally between the two cities. But Muskegon in the end decided they didn't want to pay the $12,000 and canceled the project. At this time, North Muskegon also asked to become incorporated into Muskegon, but that idea was also rejected in part because of the difficulty connecting the two areas. 
It would not be until 1898 when a long-term bridge was built across the Muskegon River connecting the two cities. Later, bus and rail service would strengthen the connection between North Muskegon and Muskegon. In 1869, Lewis Cantz built a lime kiln in North Muskegon, which at the time was the only other industry in the area besides the various mills, just showing you the mill's importance. By the 1880s, Muskegon on the south side of the lake was well established, and North Muskegon had seen continual operation of a handful of mills clustered on the peninsula. These mills were owned and operated by people such as John Torrent, James Gow, and John Campbell. A first-hand account from a Grace Hubbard in the 1880s describes what it looked like as she came into North Muskegon by boat. Quote, We can make out nothing but noise, smoke, slab, and lumber piles. Boats, horses, dump carts, mills, and a small settlement in the forest. The big mill shook the ground as it roared out the victory of converting white pine logs into boards, lathe, and shingles. End quote. She further talked about how they had to take a road underneath the sawmill to get to the main road in town, which was a road made of compacted sawdust. Now, I've been talking about North Muskegon as a city, but there was no quote-unquote North Muskegon yet. The name is said to come from two mill owners, a Mr. Phillips and a Mr. Brown, who called the area near their mill North Muskegon as early as 1872. That name then stuck. Then, in 1881, the area unified into a village and took on this name, becoming North Muskegon. At this time, the population was around 1,500. It is interesting to note that prior to becoming a village, North Muskegon was divided amongst two townships, with today's Center Street being the dividing line. West of Center Street was part of Lakedon Township, and east of Center Street was part of Muskegon Township. You can imagine how inconvenient this was and why becoming a village was preferred. This village formation was right at the start of the lumbering period's height, and many moved into the newly created village. North Muskegon, at the time, had two grocery stores, three meat markets, a livery, and a barber shop on top of its various mills. Things were going so well that North Muskegon became a city in 1891, even though they were one of the smallest cities around. However, this new city charter couldn't stop what came next. The 1890s saw lumbering start to decline rapidly in the area, and many of the mills closed in North Muskegon. These sawmills accounted for most of the tax base for the city, and provided most of the residents with work directly or indirectly by serving the mill workers. What followed nearly spelled doom for the city. During the height of lumbering, the city had taken out bonds to build a new water system and pipes throughout town. They had also purchased large amounts of materials to build a new bridge to link themselves with Muskegon. Now, they owed interest on these bonds with substantially less income coming in. They had petitioned Muskegon again at this time to incorporate them, but Muskegon rejected the proposal and things looked dire. Thankfully, a way was found to pay the interest and avoid defaulting, but the city had bad credit for a long time afterwards. A redevelopment of what North Muskegon was would also help the city survive. While most mills closed, the mill run by James Gow continued operating and would even see a resurgence in the early 1900s. See our podcast about James Gow for more on what would be the last sawmill on Muskegon Lake. Many North Muskegon residents would turn their lands into resorts and orchards and vineyards. Many of the boarding houses that the mill workers were at became now resort stays for visitors to the area to enjoy the lake breezes and going for a swim. The opening of the Bear Lake Channel to Muskegon Lake in 1884, which had been dammed since the 1830s, would also help develop a pleasure boating industry and a location for boating. The lake even hosted a sailing regatta. In 1920, however, the city had around 600 residents, a far cry from the 1500 in 1881. 
but better road connections to Muskegon would help make North Muskegon the destination for those looking for a quieter area to raise their family in, and North Muskegon quickly became prime real estate. By the 1930s, the city was back to its 1880s population numbers, and would continue to move forward as a prime residential city. I hope you enjoyed this episode looking at the history of North Muskegon, and we hope to have you back on February 7th as we talk about Sanitary Dairy.